And welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoftoff, C70. It's about at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from uh, Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, we joked before the show started, we could just about repeat last week's show, just put it on, because again, the Cardinals come within a couple of outs of taking a game they really kind of needed to take because everybody around them, or at least a lot of people around them in this wild card race were losing. And Alex Reyes served up a walk-off home run. And Tara, the games were different than last week's game. But this game, I don't, I think it was probably even more frustrating than seeing Alex Reyes walk two guys and give up a leadoff home run or, or a walk-off home run last time. Um, a walk-off Grand Slam just adds to the difficulties. It does, and I think the other reason that this is more frustrating than last week is because Alex Reyes should never have been in that game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I think there were so many other pieces along the way where the the story should have changed, that mm. Alex Reyes should never have been in that spot to begin with. And then to see him right back in that same spot and end with the same result, only a little bit more dramatic because, again, of the circumstances and the fact that it was the only battery faced. He only threw two pitches. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it went from, okay, let's see if he can pull this off to, you know, the Brewers walking it off before you even really felt like he got his footing on the mound. So, so many reasons that this game felt like it, it carried more weight than even that game last week. And mm -hmm. look, this entire week has been this push and pull of, Hey, the teams ahead of you are losing. You should probably win some games. And then, you know, winning enough games that you feel like, okay, maybe we can actually feel good about this week heading into a big homestand only to be, you know, shot back down to earth. <laughs> and the reality that this is still, you know, a, a 500 team. They're five and five in their last 10 games. And we've said that so many times this year in terms of, well, maybe this is just who they are. And they continue to prove that that is who they are at this point. And when you're playing those teams that you have to beat because they're directly ahead of you or because the teams who are ahead of you are losing, <laughs> um, you know, you can't have scenarios like you, you saw today. And you can't postseason teams don't have no one to close out games consistently, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? That's, that's not, you don't have six, seven, eight or seven, eight, nine in your bullpen that every time you put them out there, you're kind of just like watching between your fingers because you're not really sure what's going to happen. Knowing that they all have the talent, but also knowing <laughs> the, the consistency doesn't match the talent at this point. And that's sort of where, Yet another game ended up today, and, and it was it was a bit predictable in the way things were going, but at the same time, a 5-1 lead as opposed to a 3-1 lead did feel a little bit more like there was room. <laughs> My husband and I were talking during the game, you know, Alex Reyes comes in with the bases loaded, give up, give trade the walk and a run for mm -hmm. the big home run. And you're fine. Like, it's not ideal that that's the scenario we're playing out is I'd take a walk with uh, the bases loaded now, as long as it didn't mean a liner down the the baseline to clear the bases or, you know, a big home run. 
that's the the conversation that we're having at this point because that's what we've seen this bullpen do either walk guys or give up the big hit to make any lead not feel safe enough, including five one, you know, in, in that eighth inning that sort of got out of control. And then, you know, mm-hmm. beyond that. Yeah. The, the snag by Paul Goldschmidt, which is amazing, but it basically just <laughs> prolonged the inevitable to right. some degree. And I mean, if, if Giovanni Diagos works a little bit better there, or I really, this whole game, to me, and we talked about it beforehand, really boiled down to the fact that Hennessy's Cabrera had nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Hennessy's Cabrera gets his inning, I think everything looks a lot better. Um, but having to bring in Gallegos to try to clean up Cabrera's mess then led to, you know, um, Gallegos maybe not being as sharp in his second inning. And then, and then by that time, you know, it's like, well, you can't really, uh, Gallegos had thrown plenty of pitches by that point in time. I don't have the box score. Uh, let's see. He hit the guy goes through. Um, I will find it at some point in time, 30, 30 strip pitches. So he was done. Yeah. know. if, even if the bases loaded, didn't give you a, give that away. <laughs> uh, he was done. And so you had to bring in somebody and, you know, Mike Schilt had kind of worked himself into that spot where it was, you know, Brandon Dixon not coming in with a basis loaded in a game you need to win. Um, a guy like Ponce de Leon, which was still kind of iffy. Um, although maybe the better choice. I don't know. I think, um, and then, you, you know, I mean, really the only real kind of clear option was Alex Reyes, even though he struggled as of late, he has the stuff to get out of things and had had a good week in lower leverage situations this is probably about as high leverage as you get, unfortunately, and it didn't didn't work out. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just Alan and I, Alan from Meet Me Mutual, and I were talking before the game and during the game, and he said, you know, just like what you were saying, five to one didn't feel comfortable enough, and you kind of hoped that after that Goldschmidt snag in the eighth, that you know you have this one, two, three ninth, and you go home happy, but you know it's getting to the point where unless you can have those offensive outbursts, which thankfully we've seen a little bit more often over the last little bit. Um, but if it's a tight game and by tight, we mean, you know, three to four runs, um, you're not going to feel real confident until that last out of the ninth. Yeah. You know, that's why they always talk about wanting to be outside that grand slam territory, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. at that point you can at least feel comfortable knowing that it's going to take a little bit more than one swing to, uh, to turn things around and, and cost you the game. But this felt to me like, and it's hard in a season like this where there are so many games where you're like, I can't believe they lost like that. And yep. yet somehow they're still in the mix in this weird wildcard race. But this game to me felt like it was going to be a defining moment either way. If they won that game, it was going to feel like, wow, okay, they took the series in Milwaukee from the Brewers, who have been the far superior team this season. And not only that, but they did it in a week where they also took two out of three from the Reds, a team that they directly needed to beat in order to move up in that wildcard standing. And they would have done it on a day where they beat the best Brewers starter and one of the best starters in the National Leagues this Mm -hmm. season. 
And they did it with John Lester on the mound, who has not been one of the best starters in baseball this season, but gave them a very solid five-plus innings of work and only gave up one run. Here's the thing. That game didn't go according to script. And then when you see, like you mentioned, that snag by Paul Goldschmidt to keep them in it late in the game, it felt like a game that if they were able to pull it off, if it went Cabrera, Gallegos, and he was able to get the five-out save and whatever it is, even if it went to Alex Reyes and he got out of that mess, it felt like a game that they could kind of look back at and go, okay, it's been a rough go. But we got through this week, we won back-to-back series, and we did it against two teams that are ahead of us in the standings. We did it on the road. We're going home now with a lot of the control of our own destiny in our hands and a lot of confidence in being able to bend but not break. But at the same time, I was thinking of that scenario playing out. The alternate was also true in that if they went that far, if they did all those good things that I just said (laughs) and then lost it, I don't know that there's a more crushing scenario than to see Alex Reyes after the troubles that Gallegos had, whose arm just looked absolutely shot today. I don't know if that's a today thing or if it's a this week thing or if it's just this point of the season thing. But he looked terrible in the ninth inning. And then to see Cabrera struggle instead of looking as sharp as he has at times this year. It was sort of a combination of all of the bad things that this trio in the bullpen has had to try to fight through. And to see it collapse in the dramatic fashion that it did, Grand Slam or not, right? Any sort of Hmm. meltdown between those three at the end of a game where they had a four-run lead... Uh, that was not going to feel great. (laughs) And it was going to kind of put an exclamation point on the fact that this bullpen quite simply is not good enough as it is right now at this point in the season, depending on three guys who have never done this before, right? They've never had to carry this kind of weight talking about Cabrera, Gallegos and Reyes at the back end of a bullpen, this deep into a season with so much on the line. And I I know we can, that sounds like excuses and whatever, but I think it's fair to factor that in, that these are not tried and true veterans who have postseason experience, who know about the pressure of competing in these moments, who know how to bounce back from their less spectacular moments. That's not what these guys are at this point in their careers, but it's what they have to be for this team to win. So all that to say, so many pieces came into play in this game that made it feel very defining one way or the other. And unfortunately, we're talking about it in the same context that we did last week's game when that felt like a very heavy moment (laughs) a week ago. It's hard to say worst loss of the season because there have been so many, but it, it it felt a little heavier because of everything at stake and everything to be gained by winning it. Yeah, the uh, the weather hasn't changed. I mean, it's still, at least here, very, very hot. <laughs> but you can kind of start to feel that late fall, you know, games are starting to lose their significance. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, because of this. Uh, I know, granted, uh, 
as frustrated as we are, can you imagine the Reds over the last two weekends have lost two of three to the Marlins and to the Tigers? So, <laughs> you know, that's got to be tough for people as well to, to deal with. I mean, you know, but that's, but, you know, I mean, you, you see those opportunities and not be able to take care of them. And you're right. These guys, you know, Alex Reyes has thrown more innings in the majors this year than he has in his entire career uh, combined uh, by this point. Right. So, right. you know, in the fact that the Cardinals wanted to get him to a hundred innings and now the range is supposedly 80 to a hundred. And I don't think he's going to get to 80. Um, especially since, you know, outings like today don't count towards your innings since you don't get anybody out. Um, it's just, it's, 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 you know, you're in a bad spot when you've got two guys and TJ McFarland and Luis Garcia that were designated for assignment from other teams that you've picked up. And now you would trust in the ninth inning mm. over, over Alex Reyes and perhaps over Gallegos, depending on the day, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and just, no, I just, not that there's any, not that there's anything wrong with the way, I mean, Garcia and, and McFarland have been outstanding since they came over, but the idea that you're able to, you know, somebody else's cast off, it's nice to have somebody else's, uh, players do better in St. Louis than the other way around. Um, but, you know, to be able to have that, you know, you'd like to have those guys and then have Reyes and Gallegos and Cabrera be, you know, even better. And this bullpen would be solid because we've seen that for, you know, there, yeah. it feels like this, you know, oasis of time between the walk fest of early season and the struggles that we're seeing a little bit in those last couple of weeks. There was a time there in August where, you kind of felt pretty good about whoever went out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I would actually take that almost a step further and include John Lesser, Jay Happ, and even Wade LeBlanc in that conversation mm -hmm. about oh, yeah. who these pieces are, right? Because I think there's a very interesting point to make about this in this, in the sense that the pitching staff needed reinforcements way earlier than they got them. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether that factors into what we've seen with the bullpen kind of falling apart late in games, I, I don't think any of that answers anything about all the walks that were coming from everywhere in the pitching right, staff right. for the Cardinals. But nonetheless, they they needed those reinforcements earlier than they got them. But then when they got reinforcements, they were not pieces that elevated the potential of the team. They allowed them to kind of maintain the the same level of play that would have been possible with the guys who should have been there. Right. The, the fact that John Lester went five plus innings only gave up one run, looked really good in doing it through less than a hundred pitches. There's an argument to be made that he could have stayed in the game longer. That's a, a different conversation, but look, what we're basically saying is they got what they paid for with with John Lester, okay. right? Maybe a little more. Mm -hmm. That's you got today the best you really can ask for from John Lester. And that's great. But that still leaves you a lot of innings to cover <laughs> in a game that you absolutely have to win. And to some degree, that's by design. That's who you knew you were getting in John Lester, in Jay Happ. When Wade LeBlanc was starting, they knew that wasn't going to be a, a go-deep-into-games kind of starter. The only mm -hmm. go-deep-into-games starter that the Cardinals have is Adam Wainwright, which means you're 
putting so much weight on either those starters to outperform what their expectations are, or your bullpen to cover innings that you don't have arms to cover. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So then you go out and get TJ McFarlane and uh, Luis Garcia, and again, they outperform the numbers that they've shown elsewhere this season, and that's great. Uh, it's It's wonderful to see that that works that way with players coming to St. Louis, as you said. But that still doesn't solve the issue of not having reinforcements for Cabrera, Gallegos, and Reyes in those last three innings in whatever order you want to put those guys. If you're only going to throw McFarland to follow your starter who only went five innings, and then Garcia won innings in the sixth or the seventh, whatever it is, right? So it still doesn't solve your problem, even when those pieces, those additions are performing admirably, it still doesn't solve the issue that was an issue all along, which is how do you cover those innings when you have an entire rotation of starters on the IL and your arms in the bullpen are young or inexperienced enough that you may not be able to count on them and exclusively them deep into the year. It's every one of those additions we can look at and say, wow, I'm so glad Jay Happ is performing well. Wow, I'm so glad John Lester is pitching well. Wow, I'm so glad, whatever it is. And yet it has not made the team overall any better. It's Mm -hmm. just stabilized that particular role that they're expected to play, which still leaves a giant gap. And I think that's part of the problem. Look, we we can talk about Mike Schilt and his bullpen usage all day, he only has the guys that he has. <laughs> and if Cabrera, Reyes, and Gallegos all have a bad day on the same day, players play. It's their job to go out and perform. But Mike Schilt can't just generate a consistent pitcher out of thin air. <laughs> and, you know, if he's going to use McFarland and Garcia early, you have that consistency that still doesn't fix the problem at the back end. So I'm sort of rambling at this point, which I feel like I've done a lot more of this year than (laughs) in past years, because I've had to work so hard to try to explain what is going on on the field or behind the scenes with this Cardinals team, which we always do from a distance. We don't always have all the information that's available. It feels like we always have to caveat that, but the, the problems that were created, the vacuum that was created, we're not filled in with pieces that really solve the entirety of the problem. They just kind of put a Band-Aid on one piece of it, and this is what you're left with. Yeah. Yeah, it is, uh, and it's been that way. In fact, uh, if if your Chirps uh, partner is listening, I'd like him to figure out how many. I looked today, Alex Reyes is five and eight as, as, a, as a closer, which is – seems to me a very high number of decisions for a guy that has almost 30 saves. So Alex, <laughs> figure out if that's a record or something. Um, because it, I, mean, I think that just tells to, you know, some of what we've seen this year is the stats have kind of hidden some of that. You know, again, we, we talked about it a lot this year with Alex Reyes, you know, not blowing a save, but there were still times that, you know, he took the win or he took the loss or whatever the case may be in the walk rates. It's just trying to 
like you said, it's just they've done a lot of trying to stabilize, but stabilize is kind of like, you know, replacement level type of stuff. Right. And that doesn't get you very far. Um, and again, you can't replace a Jack Flaherty um, when he's on the injured list. Um, that's, there's just, that's going to take a, a, a shot. But, you know, it's still even, well, probably not if Jack had pitched all year. But the fact that you've got your, you know, the best pitcher that is on this team is a 39, now 40 year old. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Adam Wainwright with those numbers would be good no matter what, but I don't know. I just, the gap between Adam Wainwright and anything else starter or reliever. I mean, I don't, I mean, we're going to have to give a lot of credit to, and I'm very surprised to say this, Jake Woodford, (laughs) because if Jake Woodford doesn't pitch five something innings last night in relief of, KK, who had absolutely nothing, then, you know, a lot of those arms that might have gotten, <laughs> might have had to been used last night, couldn't have been used today. And it's a cascade effect. But the Cardinals were only in a position to win today in part because of what Jake Woodford did on Saturday night. You know, but you still, again, that's still kind of that stabilizing. That's trying to plug the holes, but not improve the dam. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if you know that there is, (laughs) if you know there's still water coming from somewhere, you can Mm -hmm. plug the hole as much as you want and something is eventually going to break through either in that spot or in a different spot. And, you know, because it sometimes is more fun to just speak in metaphors, (laughs) that's fine, but you're going to spring a leak somewhere else. And if you just keep patching the holes, it, I, I don't know how, I don't know how there's a realistic expectation of the problem itself just magically stopping somewhere along the line. Especially, again, you get this late in a season and this is new territory for a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how good they are, if they haven't pitched this long, in, this deep into a season in that role, if they haven't done what they're doing or being asked to do with so much on the line, it is different. It does have a different weight. It is different. I would imagine I haven't done it, but I would imagine it's different (laughs) physically to get this deep into a season. Even the guys, even Gallegos, right. Who has done this more than the other two have last year when he was relied on so heavily was less than half of the games mm-hmm. that they've played this year. And coming off of that shortened season, nobody had the reps in that they normally would have anyway. So it just, we have seen this problem coming since spring training, knowing that there were a lot of arms available. They weren't all sure things and pitching is a precarious puzzle anyway. So what's going to happen when things go poorly well, we've seen off and on all season different pieces of the equation going poorly. And if you're not going to, if you're not going to, like you said, do more than replacement level players, then we can praise John Lester all we want and also recognize that was never going to be the solution to the innings that this team was going to need to cover. They can call him an innings eater all you want. You know, it's one thing if you pitch six innings and give up eight runs. That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't really do you any 
good as far as winning games, covered innings, but I'm not sure that really solves, again, solves the problem. So to get a five and a third one run outing from John Lester, I'm happy for him. He pitched very well. It's not the thing that the Cardinals needed to compensate for the lack of length in the rotation in too many spots and in the bullpen when if you only have two guys that you feel like you can count on and they're the two guys you're only going to use in the sixth, seventh, or eighth inning, (laughs) it's the corner you mentioned Mike Schilt painting himself into. And some of that's on him. Some of it's on players not performing. Some of it is just the fact that this is what he has available. And there's not a great option to solve that problem right now. From what I gather, and again, this offseason is going to be dominated by the collective bargaining agreement and nothing is going to get done until that gets settled, which may mean that we don't have baseball next year and that's a whole different story. But assuming things are normal, the Cardinals have, I think, $80 million, $90 million that they could spend this offseason somewhere in that ballpark. And it feels to me that this is their opportunity to to kind of really revamp everything, right? Um, to do more than just patch holes, um, to really try to get better. Now, whether they will or not, we'll have to wait and see. But at least they're going to have that opportunity while still having, you know, transcendent talents on the corners and a good outfield, um, depending on if Harrison Bader's hitting or not. Um, so so maybe that's, maybe that's what it is, which... You know, you get to this year. I mean, you get through this year and you wonder, you know, the Cardinals were able to promote two players. For some reason, they brought up a third catcher because <laughs> I, I don't – because the Cardinals apparently thought you could still bring up 35 or 40 guys. And so they had that third catcher versus, you know, just anyway. I want someone to keep track – not that I couldn't just look it up – but mm-hmm. of how many times – Andrew Kisner pinch hits. Yeah. From this point on. Well, because if uh, that's your, if that's your case that, well, we need a third catcher so we can use Andrew mm-hmm. Kisner as a pinch hitter. Okay. I don't know how many times it happens. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I got a little bit of grief on Twitter and it's fair. I get, I get why I got grief on Twitter, but you know, I pointed out that, you know, yes, Yadier Molina hit a grand slam in the ninth inning of a, but it was a what? 10 to two game or something <laughs> at that time. Why is Yadier Molina still in that game? And why are you not batting Adrian Kisner? Now, Kisner batted later in that inning. So, sure, great. But still, I mean, if, if you're going to use Yadier Molina in a 10-run game, I don't know. And again, my, my thinking on Kisner is people would like to see him get at bats, but I don't think getting pinch hit at bats is what we're talking about. No. You know, I don't think that that's exactly going to help his development. He needs to start. And they've started him more. They didn't start him any in this Milwaukee series, but they have started him more as of late. But, you know, this idea that he's such a slugger that you got to be able to have his bat as an option. Well, one, you've always got his bat as an option because this idea that you have to reserve your backup catcher, you know, in the eighth inning of a game or something when, a, when you need a chance to hit is ridiculous because how often do you have both the catchers get hurt in the same game? I mean, that's got to be like 
one in a zillion chance, especially when one of those catchers is Yadier Molina, who will play with he doesn't have a leg. Right. Um, but yeah, so but anyway, I've gotten way off on a rant. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but you wonder if it had been a normal year, a year like nineteen, when you could bring up a number of pitchers, if there wouldn't have been more arms brought up right. to try to absorb some of this to bring up you know whether even if it's not a Levertor or a thompson but even just you know some of these other guys like seth elledge or something like that which isn't anything great and he struggled in in triple a but you know it's another arm that you can throw in the sixth inning maybe that you can save garcia or or mcfarland for the seventh or eighth instead of having to use them early on you wonder if they would do some of that but you know baseball rather to then spend a little bit of money on minor leaguers getting a month of, hmm. of major league salary, they've decided, you know, hamper their product by right. just bringing up two players. So we don't uh, know. Which is classic baseball. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. And if I would can... also, I, I know I uh, have mentioned this in um, other episodes of the show, but I would also be really curious from a manager's perspective or even, you know, a pitching coach's perspective, how much the three batter minimum has impacted this sort of scenario because mm. you know if you see that Gallegos is off if you see that Cabrera is off there's nothing you can do right unless they're actually hurt and you just kind of have to sit there and take it sit there and watch an implosion happening until they face three batters and I think that you know in terms of would more arms be more helpful well <laughs> I don't know. They still have to face three guys. So right. it's not like right. you can play matchups to the degree that they've played them in the past or pull a guy who you can tell after the first batter, you can tell after the first three pitches that it's not going to go well for him today. Mm. And you can't do that. So you can't even save yourself from a situation like this, whether you have arms available or not. Sometimes I would be very curious to know if, if that's just sort of an outside in kind of, concept or if it's something that is really a, a fight that these guys are, are having to deal with on the coaching side as well as the player side this year yeah I think that'd be very very interesting and I I haven't heard anything I know that I think Rob Manfred said they expect the seven inning doubleheader and the extra runner and the extra innings um, the zombie runner to be tossed out in the new CBA. And that's hopefully that's the case, but I haven't heard anything about this three better minimum. Um, I would like to see that, you know, I get the idea of pitching changes, making the game longer, but I also think that, you know, watching a guy walk three batters. You know what else makes a game longer? Watching a pitcher implode. (laughs) Right. Um, So, yeah. And it wouldn't matter today with Cabrera because they could, you know, he got the first out and right. put a couple of runners on. They could have pulled him and didn't. They left him in there for another another batter. Um I you know, it's just a it's just a mess of a situation. And, you know, again, you see these kind of things where, you know, you just keep you're getting so close and then the, you know, the big hit comes and you, you fall down the hill again. It just that two and a half or that well, right now they're three games out of the wild card because you and I said if they'd won the two games in Pittsburgh that they blew the bullpen melted down, if they won today, then they'd be tied for the wild card right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that three is like, oh, it's just a little bit 
tantalizing like oh they're really close even though there's only there's you know less than 30 games left now um but you keep seeing that and see them get within a game and a half get to a two and a half whatever the case may be to that wild card and then you know they just keep stumbling over their own feet it's really part of you want at least for me part of me wants to be involved in this part, part of me wants to say hey Let's watch the scoreboard. Let's see what the Reds are doing and the Padres are doing and the Phillies are doing. And part of me is like, why bother? Because this team isn't going to be able to do it. And they're going to find a way to flail around. And to be fair, the only reason they're in this contention is because all these other teams are just as bad as they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing to, to take note of is, yes, they're, they're three games back. And there's enough games on the schedule that are kind of head-to-head with these teams that they are still very much in control of how they set themselves up. But mm-hmm. as much as they're three games back, there there are now uh, three teams ahead of them. The Phillies moved up into that conversation. Right. And the Mets are just one game back of the Cardinals. And they still have to play the Cardinals. So, yes, it's three games, but it's not like it's – three games and they're the the first team out, right? There are four Mm -hmm. other teams in this conversation that are just as much in the mix and they all feel like they're in control of their own destiny at this point. And in a lot of respects they are because there's a lot of head to head games that'll be played here. And a lot of times where look, if the, uh, if the Cardinals are playing the Mets or the Cardinals are playing the Padres or the Cardinals are playing the Reds, one of those teams is going to lose, which is good for the Phillies, right? So there's <laughs> there's so much happening with those four teams that it feels like more of an uphill climb than three games appears to be at this point in the season, especially knowing that, like I said earlier, it's one step forward, two steps back with this particular Cardinals team. And if they go 500 the rest of the way out, that's probably not going to be good enough when it's a four team race for one spot. And all four of those teams are very capable of putting together a run. This Cardinals team doesn't feel like a team that's going to put together a run. It felt to me like today could have been a turning point that gave them not necessarily momentum, but a, a reference point of, okay, we can beat good teams. We can do it when we bend a little bit. Things get scary. Everybody's in pressure situations, but we pulled it off anyway. But now they don't have that kind of key win in a season. And that's not to say they can't get it this week and still go mm-hmm. on some bit of a, a run anyway, but it feels less and less likely by the day because there's not enough time left to kind of play this back and forth. Well, we've gone past our normal time period and we've only talked about the bullpen, um, <laughs> which is fair to say before we wrap up though, we, there's a couple of other things probably to address. And the one is a little bit less of what's about the team that's, that's here and the team that's more about the team that's coming in. Albert Pujols makes another trip to St. Louis this time as part of the Dodgers and just a couple of years past his um, huge homecoming with the Angels uh, in 2019. Um, what What's the expectation of how Pujols is going to be received this time? I mean, obviously, he's still going to get quite a ovation, but it's, I mean, one, we'll have to see how many people show up, but uh-huh. 
two, it's it's not the same, right? There's just not ten years of of built up, uh, you know, uh, adoration needing to be let out. Right. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the attendance thing because I was going to kind of feel a little bit bad to go there first, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, it's not going to be a packed house like it was in 2019 when he was there. I also think the excitement factor just in terms of Cardinals fans is not there this year based on what we've seen mm-hmm. on the field. So even if there are a lot of people there, there's not going to be the same energy because it's not a postseason caliber team. Even if they were to sneak into that wild last wild card spot, it's not the same feeling of the team in 2019 that you were like, all right, cool. We're going back to the postseason. They, they have <laughs> some issues, but it could be an interesting ride. Um, it's the Dodgers who are way better than the Angels were. <laughs> uh, so there's more on the line in terms of the actual competition. But I'll also be honest, I hadn't even thought about it till today that, oh yeah, Albert's playing with the Dodgers now. Mm. He's going to be in St. Louis. So it doesn't have the same, wow, he's finally coming back to St. Louis. I wonder what this is going to be like. We know what it was like. We know what happened the last time he was there. And while I agree, I think it's going to be great to see Albert Pujols playing at Bush Stadium. Always going to be a, a nice thing to see. I don't think it has the sort of anticipation that there was. Look, for weeks before that, in 2019, we talked about, I don't know, how is he going to be received? Are people going to, mm-hmm. is it going to be the ovation? Is it going to, are people, do people care anymore? Is this a, a story that's building up that's really not going to be that big of a deal? I, myself, leading into it was like, I don't think I care all that much. And then in the moment I was like, no, actually I apparently still do care because <laughs> that was awesome. Um, none of that's going to be there this time. So it feels a little bit more like, plus, you know, the whole scenario with Albert Pujols and the angels was he felt disrespected by St. Louis and adored by the angels. Right. Well then the way that that relationship ended, <laughs> Kind of felt a little bit like, mm, okay, maybe not. Uh, so I'm going to go play for the Dodgers and try to win a World Series. And so it doesn't have that same emotional buildup in a lot of ways. It'll be nice to see him. I think the more important thing is going to be whether the Cardinals can bounce back from the loss in the series finale with the Brewers and do something of their own accord in this series. But... Um, it's cool. It's nice to see him. And uh, I'm sure that whoever is there will stand up and cheer for him. So that'll be nice. Yeah. And, and Albert's coming in. I mean, they've already said he'll probably start the, the two games against the one against Hap, one against Kim when he's playing left-handed pitching. But he's also coming in as a guy that we don't know that we'll see. Right. I mean, right. Um, the Angels let him play first base a little bit when they came through, but you know, for the Dodgers, it, I mean, especially since right now they're fighting with the Giants for the National League West, they can't just let Albert play just because everybody wants to cheer for him. Um, you know, they got to pick the right moments. They got to put their best team. They got to they got to win some ball games. And um, if that's just letting him pinch it or whatever the case may be, that's the way it is. Um, so it is a little bit difficult because you don't necessarily know when he's going to show up, you know, it's not like, you know, it's like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, he's pinch hitting. Oh, everybody stand up. Right. Let's, right. you know, that kind of thing. Um, that also then opens up the question. And, and I know we have other times to talk about this, but it's probably appropriate. We're just a little bit past, uh, Yadier Molina signing his extension. Adam Wainwright has said, said a few things this week that kind of made it, you know, this idea, you know, they, 
Adam Wainwright, Gaudi and Molina hit their 300th uh, appearance together. Um, this week, their record is 326, I believe. And Adam Wainwright has said, you know, hey, it's really cool. Who could say that they had a record like that? It's a record that probably won't be broken yet. Not anytime soon. So it feels like Adam Wainwright's coming back. Do you bring Albert in if the National League brings at DH? And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Do you sign Albert Pujols to at least be a part-time player for the 2022 Cardinals and then see if maybe all three of them want to retire at the same time? Yeah. You know, we talked about it when the Angels let him go, right? Hey, bring Mm -hmm. him back. Let him play with, let him play with his guys. I did find it interesting. I believe it was Alan on Me Mutual brought up a point that I hadn't entirely mm-hmm. considered in that it might take away a little from Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina riding off into the sunset together because they stuck it out. They stayed. And, and I, I don't mean stuck it out. Like we all know why Albert left and whatever, right. that was his decision. And um, he felt justified in it and enough time has passed that I think we can all see uh, that this isn't exactly a front office that is great at handling uh, players in, in contract situations. Um, We still miss you Colton Wong. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you know, there's a, there's a communication barrier there with this front office and players like that at times. And, And so I'm not going to try to tell Albert or anybody else that they shouldn't have felt the way that they felt about the situation. But the point is Yadi and Wayno have been there and they've been there when they were really good. The team was really good. They've been there when the team has struggled the last few years and they have stayed kind of the face of the organization. And there's something a little more special about that. You know, it would be kind of a celebration of past Albert Pujols, but if he was there, but it's a celebration of current Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, if it's the two of them. So there's part of me that would love to see it just because I think the Albert Pujols story uh, ends a little more neatly if it ends in St. Louis. But, um, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's not the most, um, the, the most fairy tale ending for Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, who can, like Wayno said, they can they can kind of claim things that no one else can claim because of all the years that they've spent in that organization doing those things together. And maybe that's kind of special enough. I don't know. I, I think the other thing is, I, I don't love the idea part of the reason that I thought, okay, bring Albert in to finish this season with the Cardinals uh, was that we knew at that point that the year wasn't going really well for the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, well, at least that would be fun if they're going to go into next year and basically be like, we're not really going to do anything except bring Albert Pujols back. Isn't that great? Everyone. Uh, That's not going to feel great. (laughs) Right. Right. That's going to feel like a, a way to not try to win a world series. Um, unless they do some other things as well. So I wouldn't want that as this sort of farewell tour to be the only, like the singular focus of the 2022 Cardinals. Um, If he came back and was part of a team that was still built to win a championship or that gets built (laughs) to win a championship Mm -hmm. in the offseason, then there might be some merit to that. There would be some interesting moments and some great celebrations, I'm sure. 
Um, but I think at this point, I would be just as happy with the Way No Yachty show and let them have their uh, their farewell tour uh, without without Albert, who you know made a choice a decade ago to move on from that. And that that's that's fair. Yeah, Alan brought that point, and it was a point I had not thought of at the, until he mentioned it. And I I get that, and I, I think that's fair. But I also think one. If you ask, especially Yachty or Molina, if he wants Albert Pujols to be there in his last year, right? Yachty's going to say yes. Oh yeah, bring my guy back. And I think Wainwright's going to say yes, bring bring that back. So, um, and then on the other side, Adam Wainwright's going to take the ball every five days. Um, Yachty or Molina is going to catch probably at least 120 games, if not more. You know, you bring in those guys in, they're going to get a lot more of this, you know, adoration because, in theory, if you do it right. Albert's basically playing against lefties, right? As a DH, um, you know, as a pinch hit bat, he's not getting uh, the playing time that those two guys are. So as much as the press would still be a lot on Albert, especially if he starts pushing towards 700 home runs, and and that's absolutely true. I think that Wainwright and Yachty would probably take cons- any if they if they needed to would take some consolation and they were much more of a factor on this team than Albert would be right in that car right um, you know I, you know you're right though you can't make Albert Pujols your big free agent signing in <laughs> the offseason that just doesn't work especially not with as much money that is coming off the books and this situation is unique but. Boy, if you could put a team together that could legitimately contend for the World Series, not just the National League Central mm-hmm. or a wild card spot, if you put a team together that could legitimately, even if for just one year, claim a World Series as reasonable, and those three guys got to at least play in October, but I mean, just imagine if they got to play in the World Series together. Yeah. as some final act. And then again, this is when you start writing the movie and that's the way it works out. <laughs> um, it typically doesn't happen that way in baseball. Um, but, you know, I would be willing to let them give it a shot. And again, sure. though, I mean, it's, 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 in, it's within those limitations. And I think one thing that for me, you know, I wanted Albert to come back when the Angels let him go. But I also knew that it felt like at that time, we weren't sure that there was anything left in Albert, right? Mm-hmm. Cause he had yeah. been so bad for and the Dodgers have proven that if you use Albert Pujols, right. You know, he, I mean, if Albert Pujols had put up what he had done for the Dodgers for the Cardinals bench this year, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, they, they probably have those three games that they don't need. I mean, right. he's not going to get as many time with, with Paul Goldschmidt there, but he would have been much better than Matt Carpenter has been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and things like that's that. That's what I was going to so. say. Who would you rather have pinch hitting this year? <laughs> Albert Pujols yeah. or Matt Carpenter? Which leads me to my last point. I know we're getting late, but my last, last thing I wanted to ask. Um, Cardinals gifts, a, a couple, probably a week or so ago now, asked on Twitter, have we seen the last home run from Matt Carpenter as a Cardinal? Um, Cause Matt Carpenter hasn't hit a home run since like April. Um, I'm going to ask the question now, not completely tongue in cheek. Have we seen the last hit 
mm. from Matt Carpenter as a Cardinal. Uh, Matt Carpenter has his last hit came on August 7th. Since then, counting today's walk, he is 0 for 18 with five walks. Um, and I don't, there was a ball he hit in Pittsburgh that looked a lot like the three run home run he hit earlier in the year Mm -hmm. that died before the warning track. Um, I don't know that there's been anything. It's not like he's hitting the ball hard and it's just not going anywhere. I am sure that he's probably going to be continued. He's probably got another, maybe, maybe another 20 at bats this year. Does Matt Carpenter get another hit in those 20 at bats? First of all, that question about Matt Carpenter from Cardinals Gifts has kind of lived rent free in my head ever since then. (laughs) Every time I see him or think of Matt Carpenter, I kind of go, oh, that's sad. Uh, Because that's sort of how the conclusion of his career uh, seems to be going. Does he pick up another hit? He's over 18 right now. Oh, for 18 since August 7th. So, and that is, you know, he's played, he's gotten two starts in that time period, which is amazing enough. So if he got, if he got another 20 at bats, mm -hmm. sure, mix some walks in there, but we could be looking at like, oh, for 32. (laughs) Right. Uh, Competition doesn't really get a whole lot easier from this point on. Mm Mm-mm. That Cub series could be interesting considering the pitching that they have going right now. I'm going to say maybe he maybe picks up one more hit, but I'm not confident in anything more than that. I, <laughs> I'm not I mean, confident at, in that. <laughs> I think that the idea of him going another 0 for 20 feels like we're just kind of piling on like, Oh, sure. Yeah. But then I think there's enough, there's enough realism to that question. Right. That you start to wonder. Well, and look, because how's, how's he going to get better? Right. He's not playing right. enough where he's going to just work himself out of a slump. So he's going to have right. a couple pinch hit appearances here and there, maybe a start. That doesn't, doesn't leave a lot of confidence for how he's going to work out of it. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't looked up his baseball savant stuff. I don't know if he's got enough exit velocity or launch angle, but you know, if he does have another hit in him, I mean, one, I think all of us would love for Matt Carpenter's last hit to be a double just because that's Matt (laughs) Carpenter. But it feels like right now, if he's got a, you know, it's a broken bat single over the flare over the infield Mm. or something like that. You don't, you can't really expect him to that hit on August 7th was a double. So if he doesn't get another hit, his last <laughs> hit go. was a double. So maybe that's, maybe that's fitting. That's that brought his average justice. We need. Yeah. That brought his average up to 200 for the year. Now it's at 180. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just really hard to imagine, you know, him getting more than one or two. Um, yeah. I mean, it may be one of those, it maybe it's one of those situations where like the Cardinals did earlier this, you know, they get a, get an early lead, really big early lead or a really big mm-hmm. early deficit. And he gets, you know, two or three at bats because right. he's come in for Paul Goldschmidt. Um, 
you know, maybe he can run into something, but it really feels like right now, Matt Carpenter goes up there to walk and that's, that's tough because you're right. I mean, this is a guy that's going to wear the red jacket at some point in time. He is a, he's had a, a very distinguished career. He's kind of been hurt for the fact that he came up at an older age. So his career may not be as long as it could have been otherwise, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately these last two years, especially probably the last three years are what people are going to kind of remember about Matt Carpenter, at least for a while. I think at some point in time, you'll start remembering the devil's machine and that 2018, that was so great. But you know, right now, right now it almost feels like we've gone from, Matt Carpenter's bad. Matt Carpenter needs to be released to this pity of yeah. man. I hate the way this, this guy's career is ending. Um, I, I, you know, I think that's where a lot of people are now. It's not, it's not anger necessarily as much at, at Matt Carpenter. It's just pity. Yeah. I mean, I think it's recognition that it's not his fault that he was left out to dry as many times as he was. Um, it's just, you know, unfortunate, but you mentioned about the, uh, farewell tour, that that's how you write Hollywood scripts. This is mm-hmm. not, this is not no. how you write a Hollywood no. script. <laughs> not, not at all. But unfortunately it's one we saw coming. Mm. I mean, True. you saw, you know, what he, he went one for 30 in spring training or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, on this, on the season, he has 32 hits. I mean, right. you know, we're talking about a guy that, well, why didn't he, I mean, he's had, he had almost 200 hits back in 2013. Oof, right. Um, you know, even in 2018, he had 145 hits and now he's barely got more hits. He's got six more hits this year than he did last year in 59 more games. Um, and granted, but you know, it's only about another 30 something at bats because he, you know, started probably more last year, but, um, it's just been, it's been rough on him. It's been, it's been bad. And it's, I think it's fairly safe to say that I can't imagine anybody's going to give him a, a maybe a minor league invite somewhere along the way. I I, I don't know. (laughs) I'm half afraid the Cardinals will give him minor league invite and then wind up, he'll wind up back on the roster, but Mm -hmm. I, I think it's, this is his age 35 year. He he hasn't been good for basically three years. It, it's really hard to see a resurgence for him yeah. in at this part in his career. So. Well, especially as much as they've spent time saying, no, we think we figured it out. Oh, we're really trying to figure it out. Oh, I just got to keep, you know, at some point right. it's like, they even stopped saying that. Right. <laughs> They've even yeah. stopped talking about it. They've even stopped suggesting, oh, he's really close. So oh, he's taking really good at bats. At this point, it's just like, well, he's here. So yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, every once I'm, in a while, he'll get it when he gets a pinch hit, which I think is telling in terms of they'd never figured out how to fix it. No, no. And I mean, again, it's, you know, like I said, the, the last game he started was a game in Kansas City because there was a DH. Um, he started again in Pittsburgh before that. But, you know, it's gotten – I think it's pretty telling the fact that he's not getting starts, right? I mean, they right. – last year it was – they continued to plug him at second or 
you know, find them sometime at third or, or whatever the case may be. And this year, yeah, he's had three starts in August and of course none in September and unlikely to see any in September. Um, so it's a sad way for it to end, but that's the way baseball careers end, unfortunately, a lot of mm-hmm. times. All right. Well, we've gone about double the time. So hopefully you're still with us. Um, if not, I guess you're not listening to this part, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but Tara and I should be back with you next week. The Cardinals have this big series with the Dodgers. Then they have the uh, series with the Padres this weekend that could mean something. If nothing else, it gets us the 2011 team back together again. Um, I'm, you know, Adam Wainwright and Yadi Arlita can't make the reunion because they're (laughs) kind of busy that day, but, um, but that will be fun. So um, anyway, we'll be back to talk to you about those things then. So until then, that is Tara and I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.